All right, all right. Now, Romans 7, verse 15 for me, please. Brother, you can go press record if you want. All right, all right, all right. Now, this is basically Paul speaking in a letter that he wrote to the Roman, to the Roman church. Now, this is basically uh, Paul confessing that, you know, he's a sinful man, just like we all are, right? We're all sinners. Now, let's, let's just uh, let's read this. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I now, I know (laughs) that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So if I find this law at work, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Right there. What a wretched man I am. Now, Paul Who's Paul? Who's Paul, everybody? An apostle, right? An apostle of God. Paul, an apostle of God himself, who was saved for about 20 years by the time he wrote the letter, uh, the book of Romans, clearly states that he still struggles with his sinful nature. An apostle of Christ, one of the originals. The originators, man. This guy is the man. He has done and seen the things. He has done and seen every miracle right there. He has seen, he has raised people from the dead. He is a preacher man, a true man of God, a chosen man of God, an originator. Still sins. Still has sin, sinful desires. In Romans 6.13 Um, We're described as instruments of wickedness. We are described as, um, (laughs) sorry, instruments of wickedness. What was the instrument that killed Jesus? Anybody know? What was the instrument that killed Jesus? Scream out. No. Well, yeah, but what was the physical, physical? The cross. The cross was the thing, the instrument that killed Jesus. Jesus himself, the cross. I was like, man, the cross. When I heard that, when I started reading about this, I'm like, man, the cross killed Jesus. So what is the cross? Wikipedia defines the cross as the Latin crux, translating Greek, studos, was a Roman torture device used for crucifixion. The word cross 
was introduced to English in the 10th century as a term for the instruments of the torturous execution of Christ. The instruments of the torturous execution of Christ. That cross was an instrument. In 613, Romans 613, we're described as instruments of wickedness. Think about that for a second. In Romans 6.13, we are described as instruments of wickedness. The instrument that killed Jesus Christ was the cross. Now, everybody turn to Matthew 27 for me, please. 27 verse 22. Matthew 27 verses 22 to 31. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crimes has he committed, asked Pilate. Pilate. But they shouted all louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All all the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released um, Barabbas, Barabbas, thank you, and and them. But he said to Jesus, I'm sorry, guys. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus to the um, praetorium, and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him and stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him in the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put, and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to, be, uh, to crucify him. Let me read verse 30 again. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head over again and again. After they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his clothes on him. And they led him away to crucify him. They led him away to crucify him. He was forced to carry his own cross for a long period of time after being beaten and abused and mocked and spat on. The thorns alone would have made me cry like a little girl. You understand me? The thorns alone, I would be like, oh, stop. You know? I would be like, oh, stop. That is painful. Just thinking of that alone, but the fact that they, they grabbed the staff. You know what a staff is? A staff is some, a, a thick stick. And they beat him in the head again and again, they spit on him. They ripped him of the clothes that he had on. Horrible. 
Jesus, after being severely beaten, was forced to carry the very instrument of death that he knew was ultimately going to take his life. He was forced to carry the very instrument on his back for such a long period of time. What would cross by your, in your mind carrying that cross, that heavy cross, heavy cross, people. I don't know how much exactly it weighed, but I know it weighed a whole bunch, Just especially if you were beaten and bruised. You're tired already. You're thirsty. And you're forced to carry that thing. The instrument, you're looking at it right here. It's over your shoulder. You look at it. This thing, I'm going to die on this thing. They're about to nail me on this instrument of death. Think about what would be going through your mind. So why does Paul sound so distressed? Let's go back to Romans. Romans 7, 15, what we just read. Rome, uh, uh, Paul is basically, he's just pouring his heart out, saying, I, I, I do what I don't want to do. I want to serve God, but I can't because I'm a sinner. I want to do the, what, what glorifies God, but I can't because I am mere man. I do what I do not want to do. I do what I do not want to do. Why does Paul sound so distressed in verse 15 through 24? Why? He knows. <laughs> he not only knows, but Paul stated himself in chapter 6, uh, 23, the wages of sin is death. He said it himself. This was him talking. He's scared out of his mind. He's pleading his heart out. Scared. Pouring out his heart saying, I am a sinful man. Why? Because he knows. He said to himself that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Death. So what is the instrument that could potentially put us to death? What is the instrument that could potentially put you and I to death? Sin. That is our instrument. That is the cross that we carry every single day. Sin is always on us. We're carrying it constantly, and it's heavy. It's heavy. Our sin, my sin could be different from your sin, from her sin, from his sin. But it's sin. It's sin, and we carry it, and it is a burden, and it, is, it has the potential to put us to death. Just as Jesus had to carry his cross, we have to carry the instrument that could potentially kill us every single day until we die, on, it, on this earth at least. Spiritually, we carry... Spiritually, we carry that instrument. Can you just, please, I don't think some of you are getting this. Just look at me really quick. We are all carrying the instrument that can take your life away like this. Now, it took a while for the cross to kill Jesus. They had to spear him and everything. How long do you think sin is going to take to kill you? To kill your spirit, which will eventually kill your flesh. And you will have to die for what you at that time or at this time believe in. That instrument is sin, and it will kill you. It will kill you, and it won't be a fast death. I guarantee you that. You'll be asking for somebody to spear you in the side. 
after Jesus is done with you on Judgment Day. You understand me? Sin is the instrument of death. Can we control it? Yes, we can. But just keep in mind, it's always on us. This uh, it's a Bible scholar, John W. Wrightenbeck, a Bible scholar, was quoted saying, this is about um, a commentary on John, John uh, 7, verses 15 to 24. The evil that lived in him was remnant of what he had uh, absorbed of Satan's world before his conversion on the road to um, um, Damascus, Damascus, the town he was in, whatever. All right? The evil that lived in him was a remnant of what he had absorbed of Satan before his conversion. The law of his mind and his new heart from God that he desires so strongly to rule his life. The war was between the remnant of Satan's world and his new heart. The war now that we live in and that what Paul himself lived was the war against his heart and his mind. His fleshy desires and the desires of his heart. You understand me? He knew. Come on, this man was the man. This, this, this was the man at this time. He was preaching. He was raising the dead. He was healing people. But he still had sinful desires. How much more do we, how much more do you have sinful desires in your heart or in your mind that you just want to pursue? You just want to get out of you. The sinful desire, the instrument of death will kill you. He knew this. And it was a constant struggle for him. If, a, if it's a constant struggle for him, how much of a struggle is it going to be for me? Have you seen me raise anybody from the dead? No. <laughs> how much more faith does this brother have than me? Because that's all it takes. Jesus said, if you have faith, you'll be, even, you'll be doing better things than me. Have enough faith. I obviously don't have enough faith in my God or in myself to raise somebody from the dead. This brother, he did. And he still faced sinful desire in his heart. In verse 25, so then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Everywhere we go, sin is right there in front of us. Satan is right there in front of us. Everywhere we go, there's not one place where you'll be able to go, excuse me, that sin or the thought of sin will not be there, even here. Even here. There's some people, before I call everybody out to the altar and hold hands and everybody say a prayer, every, there were some people that were not into the prayer. There were some people that were thinking about something else or that were not glorifying God. And if you are not glorifying God, I guarantee you, what is that? Is that, is that a blessing? No. You might as well consider it a sin. Some of you guys were thinking about something else, right? Man, these guys are crazy. Man, I haven't seen the church like this. What am I going to do afterwards? Man, I'm going to call my girl. Man, I'm going to call my guy. You know, think, I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth, but I know what was going in your mind was not right with God because if you were right with God, then you would have been right up here crying to him like we were, like some of us were, some of the leaders were. 
I was pouring my heart out, people. In my throat, I'm getting sick. And my throat is kind of irritating me really bad. But when I was worshiping, I was crying out to God, it was as if I didn't feel a thing. I did not feel a thing. No pain. I might have did like a cough just spontaneously out of nowhere, but I didn't feel like right now I'm talking. That's why I'm not shouting <laughs> like I usually am. Like my throat is hurting me. But when I was on my knees on this altar praying, no pain, no pain, no pain, no pain, no gain, people. Come on now. No pain, no gain. It was right there. I was ready. The Lord used me because I felt I knew it. I knew it, man. I didn't even have to open my eyes and look at you guys. Some of you guys were not right with God at that moment. Why? I don't know. Was it your sinful instrument, the instrument of death that was holding you back? Was it your desires? Was it because you just weren't aren't used to it? I don't care what it was. I don't care what it was. And obviously God did not care if he told me to get up and put you guys on blast, basically. He didn't care. He said, I don't care about your girlfriend. I don't care about your boyfriend. I don't care about your mom. I don't care about your dog. I don't care about your daddy's daddy's baby daddy, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. This is the time to pray to me. This is the time to glorify my name. Because this is the least you could do for me. This is the least you could do for me. Thank me for the air that you breathe. Thank me for the home that you have. Thank me. For everything that you have. Because I deserve it. Because without me, you are nothing, he says. Without God, without Jesus, our Savior, we are nothing. And we are walking around with instruments of death. And we are not only pointing the instrument of death to ourselves, but we are pointing it out to others. We are poisoning others. If you go out in your sinful nature and fall into your sinful flesh, You are not only doing harm to yourself, but you are doing harm to others, to your family, to your friends, to your school. Why do you think the world is the way it is today? Why? This world was created perfect, perfect in God's image. The man was created in God's image, perfect. The world was perfect. Adam was not conceived as a baby. He was conceived, uh, he was made as a grown man. The world was complete, nutritious, green, beautiful. But as soon as man fell into their fleshy desires, what happened? Look, that is what happened. That is what happened. Sin took over. The instrument of death took over. And it is taking over some of your lives. Do not give the potential. Do not give the devil the foothold. You give him an inch, he will take the mile. He will take it. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. I don't even need to point some of you out. Some of you know, either from past experiences, either from experiences um, that are going on now, or things that you're planning on in the future. The instrument of death is here. It is in you as much as it is, it is in me as much as it was in Paul an apostle of Christ, a church planter, a man that not only seen but created miracles in Jesus' name. The instrument of death is here. It is here. It is alive. Do not let it take over you. Do not 
let it take over you. Why? Why? Why do you not want sin to take over your lives? Because where will you end up if you die as a sinner? Hell. Thank you. Ooh, give her an applause. She has boldness right there. She's the only one. Youngest one in here rolls her hand. You will go to hell. Believe me. Look at me. You will go to hell if you do not bury that instrument of death. Bury it. Bury it. Do I want to be known as a guy or as a preacher, as a pastor that only preaches on hell and brimstone and fire and death? Do I want to be? Hey, do you want an accountant to tell you, to not tell you if you're bankrupt? Do you want a doctor not tell you that you have cancer and say there's nothing he could do for you? Do you want him to lie to you? How much more should I preach the word of God? How much more should I preach the word of God? The gospel of God says if you do not repent of your sins and you give in to the instrument of death, you will go to hell. Hell is a real place and is looking for you. It has reservations with your name on it, people. Do not, do not give in. Do not give in. Do not give in. The instrument of death will take your life in a heartbeat. The devil is right in front of your face. And some of you don't even know it. Do not be naive. The devil is a smart demon or whatever the heck he is. He is smart. He's not stupid, people. He's been around a little bit longer than you have. He knows the Bible. He probably knows it word for word. He knows it. He can use it against you. You understand me? Do not fall short of the glory of God. Do not. Do not fall into the instrument of death. Do not fall into the devil's trap. Never, never, never. Glorify God always. Glorify God always. Now, with this instrument of death that we're carrying around us, does this mean, I mean, yes, it means we're sinners. Yes, we're all born sinners, okay? We're all born sinners, right? I sin, you sin, everybody sins. But are we going to let it control our lives? No, we cannot let it control our lives. Now, does that mean that we as sinners are destined to lose? No, because if you read in verse 24, Paul is crying out, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Savior, our Lord. Are we in a losing battle? No, because Paul is stating, who will rescue me? Who is going to rescue us? If somebody could rescue you, that means you have the potential to get out of that danger and live and live. If you're a Johnny, somebody has the potential to rescue you, to dive in and rescue you. And if you're not drowning and you're not dead, you're what? You're living. You're walking. Jesus Christ is that person, is that man, 
is that supreme being who will rescue you, who has more than the potential to rescue you. You just ask him, and he's there. Why? Why? Because he is a good God. Hallelujah. Because he is a faithful God. Hallelujah. He will always be there for you. Hallelujah. Hebrews says that he will never leave nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are always there. He is always faithful. No matter how many times we're drowning, he's always going to be there to pick us right back up, to take us out of that water. How many know that sometimes we get in over our head? We get in over our head in water. We're drowning, people. I've drowned my, my, my share of times. You understand me? But God was always there. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, was always there, not only to save me, but to forgive me. Because in order to drown spiritually, you need to sin. Amen? Right? In order to drown spiritually, in order to get over your head in something spiritually, you had to sin somewhere around the line. And you gave in to the instrument of death. And you let it control you. But thanks be to our God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. We cannot Lose if we have a rescuer. <laughs> we cannot lose, people. We cannot lose. You understand me? Failure is not an option. It is not an option. There is no plan B. There's only plan A, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Heaven, discipleship, mentorship, preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. That is the only way to go. Can it get hard? Yes. Can it get overwhelming? Sometimes. You, you, might be, you might burn yourself out sometimes, but you know what? There's always a price to pay for the word of God. There's always a price to pay for serving our God. If he died for you, what the heck is your problem? If he died for you, what the heck is your problem? Why are you so good? Why are you so much better than the original chosen men of God? What makes you better than them? What makes you better than them? Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Do not forsake church. Don't forsake it. It's the gathering of the brethren, of the sisterhood, of the brothers. We come, we fellowship, we break bread together, and we, most of all, most importantly, we talk about God and how good God is in our lives and how much he has changed my life. Today I was chilling with, with Adam from like 1230 to like just before I came over here. You know what I mean? Like I was, we broke bread together. The whole time we, we hung out today, we talked about God. We talked about how good God is in our lives, how he's changing us, how he could have, he has more potential, how more potential we have in him to be able to change more. You see, church, people, does not have to be in this building. Church could be with one other person. You break out this Bible. You break out a couple verses with another person. You're having yourself church. You understand me? You're having yourself church. You're having yourself some fellowship. Don't fall into the wrong friends. What do you have in common with darkness? What does light have in common with darkness? Nothing. Nothing. Do not <laughs> choose your friends wisely. Am I saying 
you know, ignore everybody else that's not Christian? No, of course not. Do I have secular friends? Yeah. Do I really hang out with them? Not really. When I do, do I preach to them? Heck yeah, I preach to them. You best believe I'm preaching to them. If I'm not, then what the heck am I a pastor for? You know what I mean? When I'm with my sister and my brother knows, when I'm with my family, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I talk about how God good is. You understand me? I, I might not be like, because trust me, I, I said my fair shares of you're going to hell if you don't repent. <laughs> okay? I said my fair shares to my mom and my sister and everybody else in my family. Just saying how good God is and how he's changing my life and how he, he's just been blessing me. That's preaching. You understand me? That's preaching. That's showing how God is good, how, how, he, how he still forgives you even though you carry that instrument of death around you. On your shoulders. You cannot lose. Failure is not an option. Bottom line is, every single person in here carries the instrument of death on their shoulders. Now, some crosses, depending on what type of wood, was heavier than others, right? Now, some your instruments of death is heavier than others because some of you guys have more sin than I do. Some of you guys have more sin than the other person. You understand me? Your instrument of death, your cross could be heavier than mine or mine could be heavier than yours. I don't know. But just know that every single person in here is carrying it and you're going to continuously carry it because the devil's going to be there lying to you every step of the way, every single step of life that you take as a man or woman of God. You know what, Scratch, every step you take as a person, a living being on this earth, the devil is going to lie to you regardless, whether you're a Christian or not. The only difference is us as Christians, us as men and women of God, we know the difference. Do we fall short? Yes, yeah, sometimes we do. Definitely we, sh- we fall short. Do we have the potential? Yes. Why? Because we have a rescuer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our savior. He is my best friend. He is my daddy. He was my father when I had no father. Do you understand me? I grew up without a father. I had a stepdad, but he wasn't my father. Barely talked to me. When I was down on myself the most in my life, I hated God the most in my life. I cursed God out. Because he took away the one thing that I thought I needed most in my life. Not what I thought. It's true, because I did need a father in my life. But I didn't know I needed a spiritual father. I didn't know I needed Jesus Christ as my father. I hated him because I thought he took away my physical father. And I hated him. I hated him. I hated him. I hated him with a passion, people. The devil used me like a puppet. He was playing around with me. He was playing me like a flute, people. But man, I was drowning. But when I saw that light, when I saw that hand extended down to me, boy, oh boy, I looked at that hand and I said, Lord, you are good. Because I did some bad things in my life. I have done some awful things in my life. Some things I'm just like, I I don't even want to mention like some things you guys haven't even heard of in my testimony. Everybody here has pretty much heard my testimony. 
And there's some things in my past that I just don't want to take up that are just awful. And I hated them. And God still forgave me. God not only forgave me, but he used me. Not, a, a, not as an instrument of death, but as an instrument of life. I am now a life giver. You don't have to have your state ID and say organ donor to be a life giver. You understand me? You could be alive and, alive and a life giver. You know what I mean? Preach the gospel. Read it. Understand it. Live it. And you will be the instrument of life. You could be, if I could become a pastor, if I, I'm not special. I'm pretty skinny. I'm not the best looking guy in the world. My glasses are broken. You know what I mean? I have a little bit of gas sometimes. You know, I fart sometimes. I burp. I poop. You know what I mean? I sin. If God could use me, a wretched sinner, how much more can he use you? How much more potential do you guys have? How much more potential? Look at me. Man, I know somebody in here is destined for something great. Somebody in here, because I just felt something right there. If I could become a sinner, make room, come on, I'm making room for Jesus right now. Listen to me. If I could become a pastor, man, I'm telling you, dude, oh, I felt something right now. If I could become a pastor, if God could use a wretched sinner like me, a person who wants to leave their past behind and not even mention it to you because I am so ashamed of it, how much more can you, how much more potential do you have in your lives to be something great for the glory of God? How much more potential do you have to be a great woman of God that preaches the word, that raises the dead, that heals the sick? How much more do you have, men, to be able to be able to preach the gospel with authority, with boldness, with fire? How much more potential do you have if God can use a sinner like me that carries around his instrument of death Everywhere he goes, how much more does he have for you? Any one of you here could do greater things than I have done in my entire life so far. My brother Berto at 11 months of salvation has done more than me when I was at 11 months of salvation. I'm the one who led him to the Lord. You understand me? He had potential. He saw it. God knew it. He was born with it. He was chosen. Before he, was, he even came out of his mother's womb, God had a plan for him. And he has been obedient. And look at what he's doing now. Look at what you could do within the next couple of months. Give your life to God. The God of the impossible. The God of the impossible. Every single mountain in your way will be moved like this. Effortlessly. Gone. You're facing a sin. You're facing a struggle. Give it to God. Don't just come to church and talk to God about it. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. And it is gone. Gone. 
Gone. Gone like the darkness in your heart before you came to Christ. Gone like the devil when you come on those streets and you preach the word of God. Gone. Gone. Disappeared. Give it to God. Every single one of you has the potential to be something great for our Lord and Savior. Give your life to him. Be obedient to what he says. Follow his commandments. Pray and worship God. Worship God. Hallelujah. Worship the Savior. Worship the man who has given you a life. Worship the man who has given you a purpose on this earth. Worship the man who has given you the air to breathe. You understand me? Oh, he's giving, of course he's giving me air to breathe. Of course he's giving me air to breathe. I'm walking on this earth. This earth, earth has, the planet earth has air. Of course. Shut up, dude. Seriously, come on. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Get over yourself and get with God. You understand me? You, we take so many things for granted. Oh, I love, I love God. I love my mom. I love my friends. We use the word love so loosely in the English, in English language. Do you really know the definition of love for God? I do. Why? Because I have it. I have it. And it is like no other love. No other love. No other love. Another girl might come in my life. My future wife might come. I can say I love her. Of course I will. But it will be nothing compared to the love of God. Nothing compared to the love of Jesus Christ. A man who died for me. A man who has given me a life. Never compare. Never compare. I should, I should never even try. You understand me? The love of God is something great. And I look forward. I look forward to seeing some of you. Because I'm telling you right now. When I said that, I felt something. And somebody in here, if not multiple people in here, if not all of you in here, I'm going to do something great. And I cannot wait to see what you, how, how you guys are going to grow within the next couple of months. If I could grow so much in the next couple of months, <laughs> come on, if I, if I, like every single month, man, I look back. Like, I'm telling you, this is September. I'm like, whoo, I've never been on fire like I've been in September 2008. Mm-mm, so far, nope. I said that in August 2008. I said that in July 2008. I said that in May 2008, and so on. But every single month, God seems somehow to just tip me over more and more and more and more, and I thank him for it. And that is the reason I love God so much. Because he continuously changes me and he continuously forgives me no matter how many times, no matter how many times I fail him, no matter how many times I fall flat on my face and say, Lord, I did it again. I did it again, Lord. Please forgive me. He looks at me. He picks me up. Dusts me off. And says, son, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. I thank him for that is a genuine love that God has for you as much as he does for me Jesus he loves you people do you understand me I want everybody to look at me real quick 
everybody, everybody, everybody. I was on him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you, bro. He does. He loves you too, man. No matter how many times we fail him, no matter how many times we think we don't need him, we need him desperately, desperately need him. He will always be there, always, guaranteed. But do not fall into the instrument of death. Do not fall short to the glory of God. Do not live for him. Give your life to him. Live in continuously repenting for your sins, because we all sin every single day. We all sin. Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this message today, Lord, Father God, which was of you, and I give all the glory to you for it, Jesus. I pray, Lord, Father God, that it just seeped into somebody's soul today, Lord, Father. It seeped into somebody's heart today, Lord, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that, that somebody has the boldness, Lord Jesus, to confess you as their Lord and Savior for the first time in their lives, Lord, Father God, or rededicating their lives, Lord Jesus. Let them come to you today, Lord, Father. Let them come to you, Jesus. Let them come to you, Lord, Father God, with such a joy and such a, a, a such amount of peace, Lord, Father God. They come, they fall to their knees, Lord Jesus, and declare you as king, Lord Father. Because you are. You're my king. You're their king. Whether they like it or not, Lord Jesus, you are king. You are the savior. Whether they like it or not, Lord Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that the message has touched somebody, Lord Father.